You're listening to The Fallout with Joey Semmel and Drew Gillis. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of The Fallout. Joey and Drew, back to bring you some sports hot takes. What's up, guys? Drew, have you been checking your Snapchat memories the last couple of days? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, you should have been, because you know what we were doing a year ago today? Were we? Oh, my God. This we was were, the trip of a lifetime, we wasn't were, it? A year ago today, we were getting ready to go to Yankee Stadium on the second leg oh, of our baseball tour of the East Coast last year. Dude, that Crazy. was so fun. And how long ago does that feel, by the way? Yeah, no, it feels like two years ago. Oh, my point. God. It's crazy. So, but was this the day that we were driving through the rainstorm and we thought we actually might die? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen rain like that. Neither have I. Ever. It was nuts. Um, but, I mean, like, look, I'm pulling it up. You can see it. Oh, my year God. Here we go today. Great Beautiful. Stadium. Great Beautiful stadium. pictures of Yankee Stadium and... We're missing it. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was a perfect day in New York. Perfect day. It was beautiful. I was in my Didi Gregorius jersey. Absolutely great living, game. Living too. the dream. And every single game on that trip was a great game. So yeah. we started, we went from DC, we went all the way up to, well, we started with a Nats game here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. remember that one that well because we go to so many Nats games, but um, went all the way up straight to Boston, mm-hmm. and we saw the Red Sox play the White Sox. Giolito pitched that one. It was a Lucas Giolito game right in the throes of when Lucas Giolito was really, really hot last year. Yep. Um, and the Red Sox won that in a walk-off. Yeah. That was a I wish I remember one. who walked that off, but yeah, it was a great I th- win. I think it was Devers. Might because I remember. Cause I, Devers, I, I know you hate the guy. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Devers. We'll have to look that up. But then we went down to Yankee Stadium. We saw a Yankees-Blue Jays game. Both teams used an opener, which was unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and The thing I remember most about that game is, holy Yankee crowd. Oh, crazy. that's fun. Crazy. The guy like 10 rows in front of us the entire time who's just <laughs> screaming yeah. his lungs out. It's yeah. awesome. And under all this Chapman save, and the stadium goes nuts when Chapman comes in. Oh, it was like a high-pressure oh save, too. Like, oh, my God. But it was Up one run with a runner on base? I don't know why. Like so, There were points throughout the year where they struggled with attendance. Not that game. They didn't. It was, it was vintage Bronx Zoo that game. That was perfect. It was fun. Then we went down to Philly, um, and we saw another walk-off there. That one was Jay Bruce, if I remember right. Yeah, Maybe, I think I you're right. Might be making that up. That was up. Philly's Braves game. Yeah, it was Philly. No, Philly's Mets. Oh, it was Philly's Mets. Was, it was oh, Philly's it was, Mets. yeah, because I got into a fight with the fans. With peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> there, there were these two fans wearing peanut butter. One, one of them had a Philly's jersey with peanut butter on it, and the other one had a uh, Philly's jersey with... It's like a married couple. Jelly on so, it. Yeah. Super cringy. And they just hated the fact that Drew was yelling at the Phillies and like <laughs> very went over it. And we got some, we made some friends. As, yeah. as I feel like we always do with we that o- part. We always do with that part. Because we, we just stand in center field. It's fun. Um, but that game ended in a walk-off. And then we closed it out with a Mets Phillies game back in New York. Yes, no, we that back. one was Mets Braves. That one that, I do remember. I'm, I'm sorry. Mets Braves mm-hmm. game back in New York. Um, Good another, win for Soroka another great game. Day. We saw Mike Soroka against Jacob Degrom. Yeah, you can't like, ask for more than on, that. You man. can't ask for more. We, we, it was the two top perfect, five Cy Young finishers. Perfect trip. Uh, all four games were awesome, and here we are a year later with no live sports, no baseball. If I could get one of those games, like just one, all four of them were great games. If I could just get one, just I don't one, care which one. Please, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. That you know, I hate the Red Sox, but Fenway Park is just so cool. Great park, and we had great seats too. We were right in center, dead field, center. But just the perfect angle to see everything. 
it's there are some that's a unique part because there are definitely some bad seats yes there are yes. some bad yes. seats but we got some great ones that and they weren't that expensive i don't know it, it was just it was such a great trip and if i could do it again we had talked in passing about trying to do the midwest this summer yeah because um, i've never been to any of those parks i've never been to chicago guaranteed rate and wrigley in chicago <laughs> sorry guaranteed rate field the um, worst stadium name maybe, ever maybe ever <laughs> um and then progressive fields uh, Great American Ballpark in Ohio, and then maybe we, we might have gone to Minnesota. We would have figured it out. Gone down to Bush. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so we had talked in passing about doing that, obviously. Oops. That was thrown away. I'm Thanks, glad, Manfred. I'm, I'm glad we didn't. No, well, not Manfred. I know. Coronavirus, <laughs> but, um, Piece of shit. I'm glad. We, like The thing about that baseball trip was we spent the money early just because so, we knew we like if we didn't, we were never going to commit. Yep. We almost did that this time around. Thank God we didn't. Yep. Um, either way, with no live sports in America, I know we both transitioned a little bit to watching some soccer, and we're recording this on Thursday, and we're about 20 minutes from the start of Chelsea Man Hype. City. Hype. And we're so excited Hype. as the newest Chelsea fans. I mean, the oldest Chelsea fans. Um <laughs> It's funny because we, we sit here, we talk about how much we hate bandwagon fans. Yeah, they're pussies, all of them. We just, we're doing it. We're, no, we're not bandwagon. We're real fans from the start. No, no, we are bandwagon <laughs> fans and we are comfortable admitting it and it is what it is. Uh, go Blues. <laughs> go Blues. How many how many players can I name off their roster? Like, I'm hoping for six or seven right now. I, I feel pretty good about knowing their roster, but it's only because of FIFA. <laughs> like, <laughs> so... Um, so we had a first in this episode, and it caused a little bit of a change of plan in our plans. We had breaking news while we were recording. Love it. So different rollout than we had planned, but that's going to be about the Cam Newton signing by the New England Patriots. Um, and then we have an awesome interview with our standout guests, two catchers uh, from Division Three, Eric Thronson and John Schooner. And then we'll close things out by wrapping up our discussion of the NFL divisions, this time the NFC and AFC West. And soon we'll be coming out with a baseball-only episode where we'll feature our next trivia question. So let's jump right in with the rollout. And we're going to talk about a little bit of breaking news that we got while we were sitting here. How cool is that? First time that's happened. That's great. Um, <laughs> Cam Newton has signed with the New England Patriots, and Cam Newton's been a topic of discussion for us um, over the last couple of weeks. We posted that on our Instagram. People got a little angry at us. Random people. A little bit angry. Um, we got some roast comments. Well, right. But like, it's, it's interesting because um, I think even though he got signed, he's the contract that he signed is proving exactly the point we were trying to make. Yeah. Because Cam Newton signed for the league minimum for someone who's been in the league at his position as long as he's been in the league at his position. He signed for the, let me say that again, league minimum. For one year. For one year. And yes, incentives could get it up to $7.5 million, but oh my gosh. One that's, year. That's one year, one, a little over a million is that minimum. And it, it's... it's I, okay, I, I will say this. I understand a one-year contract if I'm... If, if you're if I'm Cam, a, you should sign a one-year contract, I, too. I agree, actually. I agree with that. If you're Cam, you want to be able to prove yourself again, prove that you can make $30 million a year as a quarterback. If you're a team, you don't want to sign him for $30 million because he might not be okay after injuries. Who really knows? But either way, one year for league minimum. There's no way he should make league I, minimum. I, I, He's I, I, making as much money as fellow quarterback on their team, Brian Hoyer. And, you know, people, people in our Instagram comments and people talking to me about it kept bringing up, like, 
the inaccuracy and all this stuff. And I'm not saying he's the most accurate quarterback of all time, but he's a year removed from a year where he had a 68% completion percentage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it, I think if a lot of other guys that had the 2018, even with the injuries in 2019, I'm not saying he should get 20 million a year, but they're not getting the league minimum. They're not. They're getting more than that. Um, Can we look to Philip Rivers too? How, how, exactly. How did Philip Rivers get the job he has for twenty five million? Twenty five million you, guaranteed I, starter. I would Cam absolutely take Cam Newton over Philip Rivers right now. I don't care what you're saying. Like I don't care what anyone says about that. I'm not taking Philip Rivers after the year he just had. He proved to me that he was a bad quarterback. Cam Newton has not been able to prove that he is a great quarterback after 2018 again. But the last time he fully played, he was a great quarterback. He had a great season. He had a Philip Rivers sucked. Just just to compare those two numbers, I mean, Philip Rivers, yes, more attempts, but um, twenty three touchdowns against twenty interceptions the full season with a much better roster. Let me add, much better than roster. What Cam Newton had in twenty eighteen. Did Cam Newton have Keenan Allen? I don't think no, so. No, <laughs> he didn't have Mike Williams either. Both those guys. I don't would think be his he had Hunter one. Henry for half the year he had, either. He had a banged up, barely can walk anymore. Greg Olson. Um, so. And Cam threw for 24 touchdowns against 13 interceptions in 2018, his last full year. He played two games last year, but we're ignoring those because small sample size and he was playing through injury. Um, And so a lot of questions surrounding Cam and the injury history. We understand that, but Drew, I'm curious to get your thoughts. We already talked about the AFC East in a past episode. Mm -hmm. Does this change your Bills prediction at all? It doesn't for me. I think it brings them closer. They still go 13 and 3. Bills still go 13. Uh, well, you could knock it down a game like the pa- the Pats might take an extra one, but I'm pretty sure I had them going one and one against each other, which I would like to keep. I would like to keep it that way. I could see the Bills having the same success. Uh, uh, nothing really changes for me, in my opinion, about the Bills. The Patriots, I think, could make a better run at the playoffs, a more likely run at the playoffs, but I already have them in the playoffs. I don't see this division shaking out in a different way because I don't think Cam makes that big of an impact. Now, this is such a classic Bill Belichick. Take a guy that quote-unquote needs to be re- rehabilitated by apparently the rest of the league because no one thinks he's worth anything. Patri- Patriots are the only ones talking to him, literally the only team talking to Cam Newton Which, in the last month. Before you continue on, also exactly makes the point that we're talking yes, about. Yes, it absolutely it, this, does. This is a former MVP year removed from a really, really, really good season. And no and one's no talking one to him. Is even no one's talking to him. him what he thinks. No one's worth. talking to him except for the Patriots. They're going to bring him into the classic Bill Belichick rehabilitation center that they love to try guys like Antonio Brown, like Josh Gordon, and just see what happens. This is a totally different level, though, because this is a guy that I'm pretty sure can play without really any setbacks unless he gets injured again. Like, he's not going to have personality issues on and off the field. So this, th- this one could turn out really well for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It's a very... Low-risk, high-reward situation for them. They're not paying anything. They have the same quarterbacks without him. They, they were planning on starting with Stidham. They could still do that if they really want to. But I don't see this taking them really over the top. They still have an all-time defense right now, but so do the Bills. They're up there at least. Coaching, if anything, will take the Patriots above the Bills more than anything. I don't think it'll be Cam Newton. What are your thoughts? So I had them at I had the Bills at 11-5 and five and the Patriots at 10-6. and six. I'm going to go ahead and flip that. Yeah, um, I think I had the Bills sweeping the Patriots, but I think the Patriots take at least one of those games. Um, I wonder if that's where our eleven and five, thirteen and three for the Bills didn't line up um, yeah. in those two games. But um, I think the Patriots are now a lock for the playoffs. I mean, I agree. Um, 
they don't need Cam Newton to be 2015 Cam Newton. They could have made the playoffs with Stidham. Right. Yeah. If they get 2018 Cam Newton, I don't think 12 and 4 or 13 and 3 is out of the realm of possibility. If they get 2018 Cam Newton, they could make a run at the number one. And granted, we don't know what Cam Newton we're going to get, and I understand that. Um, But I I really think this takes them over the edge. And I, I think Cam Newton. The thing about Cam that gets overlooked too, besides like people forget to look at the running, blah, 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 blah. I'm not even talking about on the field. Off the field, he's a good locker room guy. He's a good leader. Even you, an NFC South fan, has to admit that. He was good for the Panthers. He's got got that sour grapes attitude. That's all I'm going to say. He does to other teams. He doesn't to his teammates. Well, yeah, true. But he does not only to other teams, but the media as well. He's kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, in the media, he's kind of a pussy. That's what I think about him. He's kind of soft. Gets his feelings hurt kind of easily. But in the locker room, he's always been a great guy, and everyone can always confirm that. I'm not going to take that from you. I'm just going to say, because I don't like the guy. I never really have. But, but Shocker. Drew doesn't like a fellow <laughs> NFC South quarterback. A fellow NFC South former MVP quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think he's always been a little bit of a pussy when it comes to, like, media interaction and facing off against other teams. And I, I bet the Panthers letting him go like this made him really angry, which it should. But... The fact that he's earning league minimum now is still a joke. And But what's amazing is, like, you add in the intangibles, you add in the fact that he's a former MVP, you add in the fact that the last time we saw him play a full year, he was really, really good, um, and he's still making the same as Brian Hoyer. Um, I'm going to name some guys who he's also making in the neighborhood of. Um, Blaine Gabbert will make more. Um, <laughs> so will Mike Glennon, and so will Geno Smith. Um, you can't. You can't tell me that's right. He's he's in the same neighborhood as Brett Hundley, and I'm going to say a name that I've never heard of. <laughs> Sean Mannion? Yeah, nope. Never heard of him. Jacob Eason is right around there. I, I mean, like, it's... Guys listening, if this goes on Instagram, you cannot fucking tell me in the comments that Cam Newton deserves as much money, actually less money than Mike Glennon. Like, what was name the other guys he's making it less was, than? Blaine Gabbert? It's 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 a joke. Cooper Cam Rush. Newton does not deserve less money than Blaine fucking Gabbert. Cooper Rush, Ryan Griffin, Joe Flacco's right around there. Um, Flacco after one of the biggest contract busts of the NFL Flacco. history. Uh, Flacco is, um, I don't know, we're not going to get into Joe, Joe Flacco. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's an absolute joke that, Cam is making what he's making and it's it's it tells you a lot about the NFL I hate to do this but it just does um I mean come on it's just ridiculous how to have how awesome is this for the Patriots though oh it, it, for the it rest of the league to lap, be as shitty as they just, are and them to get away with a league minimum guy that could easily take them to the playoffs like they didn't really need much, and but talk about a ta- talk about a Kaepernick guy to take a flyer on. You take a flyer on Cam Newton. You absolutely take a flyer on Cam Newton. He just had a great 2018. Great 2018. You take a flyer on him. Can I, I'm going to use this as an example. The NFL has a race problem, and I have the two names. Cam Newton's one of them to prove that to you. Joe Flacco coming off an injury year where he got benched. He's been bad for a couple of years now. He got signed. Before Cam Newton did. Yep. And maybe Cam was asking for more money, but we don't know, and teams don't know. Because I do as know. You, as you just said, teams didn't even reach out to him over the last And that's according weeks. to Adam Schefter. That, that's like a fact. Three or four weeks now, no team has contacted Cam Newton aside from the New England Patriots who never offered him starter money. And Joe Flacco and Cam Newton are, like, the, different, the other difference, too, Cam Newton, 31, 
it is not out of the realm of possibility that he could have some good years ahead of him still. Yes. He's 31. He's not 40. He's 31. Now, he is a 31 with the physical quarterback background. I understand. But he's 31. But I'll he's take 31. your point on that. Yeah. And Flacco's 35. Yep. So... I mean, I, I, I like to kind of think of it this way, actually. I'm going to bring Matt Ryan into the conversation. But let's say, because Matt Ryan won MVP the season after Cam Newton did, he won in 2016, Newton in 2015. If Matt Ryan did what Joe Flacco has done for the past three years, like since 2016 MVP, Matt Ryan would be making at least 15 or 20 million this year. And I stand I'm by that absolutely. Comfortable saying that number too. And, and that, that's a one-year difference for MVP. That's a one-year difference. He'd, he'd get an opportunity to continue to start in the NFL. And he actually would have been and, the first quarterback off the board this free agency. Yep. The first. And you know what? Phillip Rivers is another good example. Bad year. Bad year. With a great receiver core. And he's, and he's 40 years old. Um, and he's going to make $25 million for a team that really needs a flash-in-a-pan quarterback to make the playoffs, right. not Phillip Rivers. Cam Newton, you Cam want Newton. your flash-in-the-pan. Those two situations, by the way, so similar. Bad offensive line. Actually, their offensive line is not that bad in Indianapolis. I'll give them that. Um, but the receiving core isn't great. Yep. defense isn't is like okay it's very similar to what he was dealing with uh with the panthers for most of his career yep so i don't know it, it's maybe it's, i would assign both if you can get camp for one million hell yeah, i know, I know hell? We, if you got you can get him for one million hell bring him in and have a quarterback battle with daniel jones i would take cam for one million yeah uh, who knows worst case scenario you try him out and he's gone what, it, it, I just want to point this out one more time. The craziest thing about this to me is that Brian Hoyer yep. and Cam Newton are now making the same money for the New England Patriots. You tell me, Joey. Do you think there is at all a contest for who's going to start? I, not with Brian Hoyer. I, I There's mean, no contest. M- maybe they want to give it to Stidham because he's younger, but even yeah, that, they I think... They want to just give him a shot. I think that doesn't make sense. That, you got that, Cam for no. one year. Put him under Cam's wing. But you tell me... Straight up, do you think there's going to be a contest for starter between Brian Hoyer and no. Cam Newton? No, and Brian Hoyer shouldn't be on an NFL roster anymore, and he is. And guys, and he's like, making as much as Cam Newton. And guys like Kaepernick aren't. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> the New England Patriots are the first team in NFL history to lose a former MVP and gain one in the same offseason. They lost Tom Brady and gained Cam Newton. So for our standout interview this week, we have two players featured, something we haven't really done before in this style of interview. But um, if you know these guys, you know that they just logically go together because they're pretty much attached to the hip. So we have John Schooner, catcher at Oberlin College, um, who's in the same conference as Denison, so we see a lot of him. And we also have Eric Thronson, the starting catcher at Trinity College up in Connecticut. So uh, these two guys grew up together played together at Potomac School, um, and it was interesting to watch how they'd learn from each other. So I'm curious um, what they say about that. So we'll jump right in. So what made you guys want to be catchers? Was it, did it have to do with the fitness of the position? Were you guys tougher when you were kids? And was it the, or was it the desire to be involved with every pitch? Why catching? Um, well, so for me, it started back in Little League. I think it was probably when I was 11. I think I was the only kid who was willing to put on the catcher's gear and actually do it. So I don't, I didn't really want to, I was like playing shortstop, you know, like any other 10 year old. And I was like, this is great. And then the coach was like, Hey, like try out catching. I was like, all right. And, uh, you know, I think I turned out to be pretty good at it. So I just kind of stuck there and, you know, never really changed. And I just kind of kept building and building on that. And, you know, here I am now knees are still hanging in there. So 
Yeah. Honestly, for me, it, it started a little bit earlier. I think I was like nine or 10. You end up trying it once and, and not every, every little kid wants to put on the gear. So I didn't have a problem with that. I just did it. And, and yeah, I think what you said is kind of the reason why I got really into it is just you're much more involved than anywhere else. There's a lot more control of the game. You, I kind of just like the feel of it, just being able to kind of lead the field and, and see everything. Hopefully the, the knees hold up for a couple more years, but it's been, it's been really awesome. I, I love catching. always have. You guys started, both started catching pretty early then. So did your attention to hitting, to batting practice kind of diminish like really quickly, like when you were little kids or did you, did you keep an emphasis on hitting as well? Cause I know catchers don't have to hit as well. There's more of an emphasis on de- defense. Yeah, so I don't think I ever uh, diminished my sense of, like, importance of hitting. I think uh, when you're going into college as a catcher, I, I always heard that, like, fielding was definitely more important. And definitely for me, like, in my career, defensive has always kind of been more of my strong suit than hitting. But I think I, I definitely never, like, took more of an emphasis off on hitting. But I think I, I took a little more pride in, you know, my defensive work um, throughout high school and, and in college, so. I think if you talk to like most catchers, they would agree, say that like that catching is definitely something that they really take pride in. Like there aren't going to be many catchers who aren't going to tell you that it's, it's like their main focus. But I mean, I really never thought about the way that catching would kind of diminish my offense until later on. Cause like I was, I was loved hitting even, even though I was obviously kind of catching first, I loved hitting. It was, it was it was like my favorite thing. That's what I'd always want to do is like just go to BP and stuff and hitting those like public batting cages and stuff with the (laughs) little foam yellow balls or whatever. But I never really realized, I think until like, like Joey can confirm us like junior year of high school when, when Eric was obviously catching a Potomac and, and I would DH my junior year and I hit so much better when I didn't have to worry about catching. and I wasn't so tired, like from just focusing on that and being involved in every play and blocking and having to worry about all that stuff. So I hit so much better my junior year. And then my senior year, when I was catching every game, I just didn't hit as well. And then, and then, yeah, as Eric said, in college, also you, there is like a a really big focus on in college, just being rock solid behind the plate. And, and in a lot of cases, if you're playing on a team with a pretty good lineup, like I think a lot of D3 czars, you have really good hitting and the pitching is kind of where it's a little more iffy. But like if you're if you're in a good lineup, like yeah, the coach wants you to hit, but like the most important thing is just working with the pitchers and and being just solid back there and not being somebody that uh, you have to worry about. Yeah, I mean, that, that junior year John was talking about, I remember I was worried he was going to take my spot because I was probably like <laughs> one for 15 – and he was like 16 for 16 with like 10 RBIs. So luckily I had my catching abilities to to kind of keep me in the lineup there. But man, he was uh, he was gunning for my job. There's some tension. I cooled off so quick though. <laughs> so like that spring break trip in Myrtle Beach, I was raking. Like like Eric's Eric's not exaggerating. I was like hitting 800 when we got yeah, back you, from you Myrtle Beach. And I had gone into the trip. I was I was going into the trip like. I would have been lucky to be like maybe play once every five games behind the plate when we'd play a bad team and Eric would play first or something. And like I'd catch when Eric pitched, but then I just somehow started going off in, in Myrtle beach and I was raking. It's unbelievable. It's like the best I've hit ever. 
Well, J- John, I want to ask you about that because your jump from freshman year to senior year was so impressive. I mean, like how much better you got Appreciate each year. Um, so what was what went into that? When did it all click and what made it click? Just our team dynamic was so motivational. I know just like my, my freshman my freshman year, I, I, I kind of just thought that baseball, you, you're either good at it or you're not. And like the most naturally talented people are going to be good and it's just how it is. But like I got really into the weight room my sophomore year, like right before baseball season, but then mostly that summer and then that next fall and winter, I got like really into the gym. And the changes were crazy. Like I was just stronger, just a lot more prepared to like take on a big role on the team. And, and like, it was, it wasn't just the gym. It was just like going to hit all the time and throwing all the time and doing whatever I could to, to take that next step. Cause I was like, so I was really determined to, but like, I hadn't quite figured out how just the team pushing each other all the time was, was huge for me. I'd say. I figured there'd be sort of a gym uptick in high school going from freshman to senior year because I know that's big for a lot of guys. Uh, but speaking for both of you guys in college, how has the uptick been in workout regimen from high school to college? Our coaches put a like really big emphasis on weight training. Um, so I was always like big into the weight room. I, I wouldn't say I was like a necessarily big guy, but I enjoyed lifting weights and stuff. But getting to school, our you know head coach is like a huge hardo CrossFit like buff guy and he had a great relationship with the strength coach who's also a big hardo guy so like our weight training is was like super intense it still is so that was it was definitely more uh demanding of a weight room type of atmosphere like three lifts a week or four lifts a week or whatever but i'd say the one difference with like strength and conditioning in general was like we don't do any conditioning at all like i remember at potomac we were always doing bow and arrows like making us run at the end we never we never do that we never do any conditioning yeah joey joey hates that he doesn't want (laughs) to um but yeah because science is coming out like conditioning doesn't there's no point in baseball like like it doesn't really help so we do like sprints and stuff but no like conditioning which is nice because that's i hated that too For me, like, I think it's a, it's a little different, but yeah. So my freshman year, we were on this really strict program and the biggest difference for me was just waking up really early. I'm not more a morning person. So like when you wake up at 6am to do a, a team lift, it's a very different mindset and atmosphere you're in. So I really hated it at first, but then you, you kind of learn to like it. And it, and it is when you're with your whole team, it's, it's pretty motivated. Like it's a good motivator to, you know, you're all grinding through it together, but if you're in the gym all the time, then, then you're feeling better. And you, and I definitely feel more like I did um, in high school when I was lifting every day. So we've talked a little bit about the preparation from a physical side. How about from a mental side of it um what kind of planning goes in each game is it different for different pitchers um and what's your role as a catcher kind of the mentality going into the game it was it was tough freshman year not knowing pitchers as well like in in high school like being catcher like four years i knew the pitchers really well so like i knew what we were going to do um but freshman year like different pitchers like they had thrown more pitches it was definitely more difficult but there was like more of a system where like the coach had a like pre-scouting report like he put it on my armband so like you kind of have a sense like so you're going out there and like you look at your armband like whoever's up to bat and like you can kind of go off that but I mean it definitely depends on each pitcher you kind of have to learn 
who does well in certain situations. You know, some guys can't handle throwing a 3-2 curveball while some can, and some, if they're struggling, you need to go out there and yell at them, or you need to go out there and try to calm them down. So it's all about learning your pitchers, and now, like, going into my senior year, I definitely have a better grip on that and kind of learning how to work with the younger guys as well because i mean these freshmen are coming in like like shaking in their boots like going up to the mound for their first appearance and you just have to go up there and like calm them down and be like it's like it's all right like just throw your stuff um so yeah it's definitely it's all just learning your pitchers and um and then of course reading the scouting report i think a lot of that is is similar for me but you know in, in high school you you it's a smaller staff you get to know everyone really well it's a, it's a lot more guys and, and you kind of have to make a real effort to, to work with everybody and get to know everyone. Was there a catcher that you guys looked up to um, as you were growing up, either in high school uh, or before that? Eric Johnson. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say, I was hoping you wouldn't say that so I get to make fun of you for not saying that, but <laughs> you, you took my joke there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, yeah. No, I, it's tough. I mean, I guess there were guys that like I tried to model my game after. Like I loved guys like, Salvi, like Salvador Perez, like just an absolute cannon. Like, because that's always been my biggest thing is like having a strong arm. So, like, and a tall guy. So, like, he was awesome. Like, the swagger of Yachty, like, you know, just kind of chilling back there. It's definitely into that. But I think the, the catching position is kind of evolving. And you're seeing like a new age of catchers, like, way more athletic guys are like bouncing around back there. Like, it's, it's pretty incredible to see how much catching has like gotten better and like way more elite. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy to watch. Like just watching these MLB games, like these catchers catching hundred mile an hour fastballs and like sticking it like right there. I just, I could never imagine doing that. So it's been cool just to watching all these guys and like what they're doing for the catching position. So just kind of model those model my game after those guys. But which moment of yours is your favorite moment as a catcher? If you can recall one in terms of favorite moment, it's tough because if you do something sick as a catcher, like a lot of people won't even notice yeah, so it's like kind of sucks. Cause like I'll make like a sick play, like you know, in college I like sick block to the right, nice pick, got up, threw the guy out, and it's like it's like oh nice nice throw out, but it's you know there's always like little things that like you're thinking back there, like oh that was such a like a sick block, and everyone's just like supposed to do that. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if I really have like that moment that's like Sports Center top ten. I know my dream play is someone's bunting. And it's like a pop fly right behind me and I get an opportunity to dive for it. But <laughs> I haven't had that opportunity yet. That's my dream play. So I'll, I'll let you know if that ever happens. But Please That's do. so true though. There's Please no pass. like every catcher, you can make the sickest play of your life. I think this is one reason why I don't really have one that I remember so well. It's like you'll make the greatest play you've ever made. You'll be so happy about it and nobody cares. Like I can remember, there's like one I think, but it was like my senior year. Yeah, same as Eric. Like I made this nice like backhand pick and then and then got it off my right foot and threw the guy out at second. But I one hopped it because it was like a quick reaction. And I think maybe like Michael Hansen made the pick, or it's probably Carter made the pick, and they were like, Hey, good pick, Carter. And I was like, <laughs> I just made the throw of my life. So I mean that's kind of the life of a catcher. So what was it like having each other to compete with in high school? I mean it always seemed to me, and I think to everyone, <laughs> that John was kind of under Eric's wing a little bit, and that you guys were—I I mean, you guys still are very, very close. I know. Yeah, yeah. You can ask. You can ask. Uh, direct that question to John. Uh, but I mean, like, we we definitely worked out like all throughout high school together. We still work out all the time, pushing each other. But I don't know, John. What do you what do you think I about? Think it started like. Joey would know. I think it started. Well, I literally, like, I literally started. Yeah. It literally started out by me giving him car rides 
to back. Yeah, that's, but that's how it happened. He didn't it's, have his driver's license. Eric got his driver's license. had to drive him to practice. And Eric needed someone to throw with. So we started throwing at like Potomac baseball camp. I think Eric was a rising sophomore and I was going to be a freshman. And and the year before, I wasn't cool enough to throw with Eric because I was still an IS. <laughs> so, so, so he needed a high school throwing partner. But I think he kind of put, put two and two together that we were going to start throwing. But I, I think the only time Eric ever felt pushed by me was, was that one week in Myrtle Beach when I was out hitting him. Like it was always like a good relationship where we could push each other and, and, and work really hard all the time. So I, I would think it was definitely beneficial for my development as a baseball player. So last question here. Uh, who writes the bios on your team websites? Do, do you guys know? I wish I, wish I knew. Okay, because Eric, there's I, a typo I, I in yours, know. and John, you're listed at six feet, but we both know that's not true. <laughs> that is that, okay. So I was listed at five ten, one fifty, my <laughs> freshman year, and that's just not true. So like, I'm like five eleven and a little bit, so you can round it up to six, but like. I was 5'10", 150, and I've never been so mad my entire life. So so we made sure to get it fixed. But I think I'm also a little heavy on the website, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I don't think I'm – I think I'm like 185. I'm a little below that, but who knows? We got you at six foot 185 here. So, yeah. And Eric, it says that you are majoring – there's no R uh, – in economics. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah, I have no idea who writes those. Every year, there's like they write the dumbest things and the worst mistakes, and we're like, who is in charge of this? Like, there's like you know, you got Timmy over here who's like five four, and they list him as six feet, and it's like that's not you know, it's just I don't know who's. Yeah, thank you guys so much for joining. Of course, um, thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is fun. That was a fun interview, man. I mean, Definitely. I love I love having those two guys in a room, even a zoom room together, uh, just because their energy just feeds off each other. It always has always will. Yeah. I wish I had known these guys in high school. Seemed like a fun party. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're both a good time. And I think it was really cool being able to interview catchers because I would argue, um, other than maybe quarterback, the most interesting position in sports. Uh, Yeah. And I would argue definitely most interesting position in sports to me because of what they talked about. It actually, no one gives them really the attention they deserve for the work they put in behind the plate but they have so much control over the game. So now it's time to duke it out, and we're going to close out our discussion of the NFL divisions today, and this time we got the West. So let's start in the NFC. Drew, what do you got? Dude, what a division. This might be the best division in football. I would agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Not particularly close either. I don't think so. No. The addition of Cam Newton to the Patriots makes things interesting, but um, I, I'm going to take the Niners in this division. I, I like, especially from a coaching standpoint, I think they have maybe the best coach in football in Kyle Shanahan, as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, I think they have all the pieces on their team. They don't have many holes. Um, we've argued back and forth a bit about which holes they have, but let's be honest, they don't have many if they have any holes. If they had one, it would be their wide receiver core, but they have George Kittle, so I'm feeling okay. Um, I mean, Russell Wilson, what else can you say about the team for the Seahawks? It's just Russell Wilson. He'll run the show. He's never had a record worse than 9-7. and seven. In his entire career, he will probably lead his team to the playoffs. I'm not really that concerned about that, actually. So I think it's two clear-cut playoff teams. And then I have the Rams at 10-6 and six actually making the playoffs. I like them this year, even though they lost some guys. Todd Gurley, but that's not that big of a loss. Sorry, Falcons. It's not that big of a pickup either. Uh, I, I, I like the way the team is looking this year because I think they underperformed last year, and I think they could be better this year. Uh, they lost guys like Brandon Cooks, too, but I don't think that's that and big. And Todd Gurley. <laughs> 
Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley, but I don't think either of those are actually that big to their offense. Um, Todd Gurley from two years ago was. Todd Gurley last year, uh, when he plays, you know, he's unreliable. They don't have a running back right now, but they, I think, have a lot of other pieces on offense and have, obviously, a great defensive line. Duh. Aaron Donald. So I'm feeling pretty good about them. And Cardinals, I love, but 5-11. and 11. I love Kyler Murray. I love DeAndre Hopkins on that team, too, but I, come on, they got nothing else. Yeah, I'll go bottom up. I have the Cardinals also at 5-11. and 11. I have the Rams at 9-7. and seven. Um, The loss of Gurley, I think, is more stark than you're giving it credit for. This is interesting because you've just, undersold this every time we've talked well, about it. it. It's because they didn't, A, didn't do anything to replace it, and B, the threat of having Todd Gurley there opened things up for them. Um, and so they, they made no effort to replace Gurley. So the threat of even a banged up, not his prime Todd Gurley is a lot bigger than that of Malcolm Brown. Yes. So and Malcolm Brown, I think, is going to be the starter there. I'm not even 100 percent sure. Um, they really they might not start a running back. Seriously, <laughs> they, they, they might be the first team to just not run a single time the entire football game. Empty backfield. The yeah, entire empty season. backfield the entire season. <laughs> Um, but really like, I think that's going to be a problem and it's going to catch up for them. So they go nine and seven. I'm right behind you. They just, they just miss out on the playoffs. Seahawks 10 and six, um, and the seven seed last team in, but that's just cause it's a good NFC this year. Um, but like you said, Wilson will find his way to the playoffs because he's just that good. Um, and finally the Niners 11 and five, they're only a game ahead. And, um, I, don't think they're quite as good as they were last year, just because I think the league started to figure them out a little bit towards the end. Um, just in that, I, I know they made it to the Super Bowl and everything, but yeah, I they, don't they, get the narrative. The, the games got a little closer. Um, they weren't quite as dominant, and I think giving teams a full off season, giving head coaches a full off season to sit here and brainstorm ways to stop a team that's not that good offensively. Um, it's. I don't think it's really their offensive weapons. I think it's just Shanahan. I, I just. They're not that good offensively. Play, they weren't last year either. I, I mean, no, but uh, he's smart. The team's smart. It, like they they put up points without really needing to have the best offense in the game. That they. I think teams will. They also have a great defense. Which and we're and not I, talking about it's it's not like I'm saying they're gonna go two and fourteen. Sure, sure. they're gonna go eleven and five. I just I, in I don't a tough see division. So that's still good. Right, it's still good right. season. Yeah. And and so I don't see thirteen and three because the division is so tough, and because um, like you said, I mean the receiving core. Debo Samuel's their number one. And you look at his stats; he just plain and simple didn't have number one stats last year. Um, so a little bit to worry about there, but we're essentially on the same page here as to how that division's going to go. Yep. Yep. Um, so let's move over to the AFC. Um, I know we have some disagreement here. Um, I know one place we agree, the chargers are going to suck. The chargers. Are t- <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that they have that receiver core and they're going to totally blow it, but they're going to be terrible. Really? Really? They got bad. No one really, ex- except for that, receiving except court. for the receiving court. They got, Keenan Allen. If you don't have anyone to throw you the ball though, who really cares? Talk about a team that should think about picking up Kaepernick. Seriously. So, I mean, if any team come on that, that's my number one fit for him. Just someone take a flyer. If, otherwise, the, unless they want to tank, they I mean, I mean first, first overall pick. I don't, th- I, I think the, <laughs> the Panthers will win that race. It's going to be close um, down there, man. It, between the Jags, the chargers and the Panthers. I think I hear and the Redskins. But, um, <laughs> Think about the try. You know what? Maybe Justin Herbert is better than I think he is, but there were so many question marks surrounding him in the draft, yep. and then they drafted him out of need. And sometimes you pick out a need. Yep. Fine. Um, so maybe he's better than I think he is. 
Um, he had his ups and downs at Oregon. So, Definitely. Uh, maybe he'll figure out how to make it so he has his ups. I don't really have faith <laughs> in the guy. Let's not spend more time than we have to on Chargers. Chargers. Um, <laughs> Almost called them the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> they might as well be. I mean, <laughs> no, you, no, no fans, fans won't no affect. Fans. Did you, wait, I'm sorry. Who said it on their team? Someone came out and said, well, no fans isn't going to change anything for us this right. year. It, it's going to help them. <laughs> it's going to help them because more away fans would be in the seats. But seriously. And then, so I have Denver at seven and nine. They're a solid team. I really think they are up and down. I, so like, I love that you call solid team seven and nine. They're going to like hover around, but uh, that's so just like, not good. So there's like the way I see it, there's good seven and nine and then there's bad seven and nine. Um, Come on. Good seven and nine hovers around 500 the entire year, like on the fringes of the playoff race and then gets caught up in a division that's pretty good and has the Chiefs in it um, and finishes yeah, seven I, and nine. I, but I like your disclaimer. I, I, division that's pretty good. Has the Chiefs right, right? So like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I th- like, is it out of? I, is it possible for the Broncos to go eight and eight or nine and seven? I really think it is because they Drew Locke, I, I think is actually very good. Showed a lot of signs last year, and then they added, um, they added Melvin Gordon to a backfield that already has Philip Lindsay, who's an a thousand yard rusher, and Royce Freeman, who's a good receiving back. Yep. So they have weapons, and Cortland Sutton's a legit number one. Um, they had Noah Fant could take a step forward too. I mean, I mean, like they have some weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and they still have Von Miller, Miller on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So is eight and eight or nine and seven, and trying to like be on the fringe of the playoff race out of the question for them? I don't think so. If anything, I think it's out of it's not out of the question because this division actually isn't that good aside from the Chiefs. Um, I still I see them going under five hundred. I have them at six and ten. I see them being like the Falcons last year, sort of, where that they're always a little under five hundred the entire year, sort of hovering like I could, right I see that out of the playoff I could race. See that too. Raiders, I this is the best one. This between us, this is the best debate. Well, so let, let's hold it for a second. Chiefs thirteen and three, they True. go six and zero in division. Correct? You yeah, agree same with that? Thing here. You agree with that? Yeah. Imagine picking them to not go six and zero in this division. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, they, they probably won't because of football. But, yeah, actually, um, they'll lose to the Chargers or something like that. <laughs> um, I have the Rams making. Or, I'm sorry, I have the Raiders making the playoffs at yeah. nine and seven. I don't. You know, it's it's funny. Like we're in the same zip code here. Like you I've ha- made you have made. I have yep. nine and seven. So that's one game. And that one game gets them in with a tiebreaker over like two other teams. I think that I have at nine and seven. I don't see this team putting together all the pieces at the end of a season. I, I don't see them putting it all together. I hear you, Derek Carr. Yeah, better than people think. So much better than people I, I want to speak to Derek Carr for a second. Twenty sixteen, Derek Carr. You made my fantasy team great. You took me to the playoffs. Thank you, Derek Carr. Then. You had a game with 117 yards, no touchdowns, and four picks, and you blew my season. You absolutely choked it. I was blowing that guy out of the water. Then you play Monday night and blow my season. I'm sure he He did it awake. personally. I'm sure he lays awake thinking about that every he, single He night. called but me that night and I, said, I, hey, I, I you're welcome. Say, I want to say um, 21 touchdowns against eight interceptions over 4,000 yards, pass rating over 100 last year. Yeah, very the, good. The guy's good. Very good. He's a good very quarterback. Good. And... Um, Darren Waller, probably the third best tight end in the league, the most underrated player in the league as well, because no one talks about him. Also underrated, I mean, rookie, but Josh Jacobs, yeah, had, had mean, an seriously. outstanding rookie season. They have some pieces on the offense. Dude, their side offense of the ball. is good. Their defense is just so bad. It's not great. It's just so bad. But it was bad last year too, and they were 
a game away from making the playoffs. Which is what I have them at again. So yeah. I don't, uh, That's all I'm saying. I don't think they can really put it together when it comes down to crunch time. I want to give Darren Waller a shout-out, though, because he had 90 catches for 1,100 yards <laughs> last year. So, yeah, uh, dude, dude I mean, play. Dude can play. He, he's a tight end. He's listed as a tight end, but he looks like a receiver. Like, he really does. Reminds me of Vernon Davis back in his prime. Um, so, I think it's possible that they get into the playoffs. I have them at 9-7, and seven, uh, and you're, you're ripping on him, but... Eight, the difference between eight and eight and nine and seven is one game. You know what's like, crazy is, and this this really, I, I didn't even do this on purpose, but this shows to me what I think of this Raiders team when they need to do it, when they need to get it done in crunch time. I have them one in five in their division. I also have them one in five, which in is division. just doesn't matter. It's though. not a good division, but one in five in the division, and I I think that does matter because you got four games in there that are easily winnable, and I have them winning one of them. That, and divisional games obviously matter a lot. I, when it comes down to it, I just don't believe in this team yet. I, I don't. I think the defense hurts so much. Even though they didn't make the playoffs, the Rams finished 9-7 and seven with a point differential of a plus 30. This beat their division foe, the Seattle Seahawks, who made the playoffs with a plus 7 point differential. So that's all for this time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Two great standout guests this time. We'll have another one for you guys next time. Um, But that's after our bonus episode where we talk all about baseball, the restart, everything, because we couldn't be more excited that baseball is back. It's time to nerd out. This is for nerds only. Baseball nerds only. Yeah, nerds only, like Drew said. Um, And we'll take you guys through every single detail of the restart from COVID concerns, players sitting out, potential winners, sleepers, you name it. We're kind of going to pop off in this baseball episode. God, I love baseball. And I love that we both have teams competing for a World Series title this year. Well, one of us. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Save it for the episode. We'll get into it. Save it for the episode. You've been listening to The Fallout. Thanks for tuning in.